1: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, delivering another Let's Ride podcast for you on this Monday morning and for the third straight week, in case you didn't know, it's not a victory Monday. And boy, does that week one win over the Buffalo Bills feel like absolute decades ago. Because the last time the Steelers played on Sunday, Lambeau Field, 27-17 to 17 losers, their third loss in a row, They've now lost, if you think back to the Las Vegas Raiders in week two, the Cincinnati Bengals in week three, and now the Green Bay Packers in week four. And it's not going to get any flipping easier with the Denver Broncos, although they did lose to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. They come to Heinz Field with only one loss on their record. And so now you're looking at the Steelers thinking, what in the world is going on? Is there any way for this ship to be righted? What are some positives, if there are any, that can come from this game? And we're going to talk about all of that. And in the second half of this show, we have the winners and losers, where I dive into who I thought played well, and then who I thought just absolutely looked like garbage. And I think if you... And that's my winners or losers. Anyways, uh, I, I think that if you can... Think about this game with a clear mind. There's going to be so many more losers than winners. But I was able to find a couple winners, a couple areas that I felt the Steelers are excelling in or players that might have played well. So make sure you stay tuned to that part of the podcast because it won't disappoint for sure. Before we get started with my thoughts on the game, I want to remind you that BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Even through these tough times, you might be wondering what is going on. Who is to blame? What in the world's going on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your, your opportunity to get answers. We're going to have film room breakdowns, commentary, you name it, we'll have it there. Breaking news, um, different things. I, for instance, a post-game sound podcast article that goes out every uh, the day after every game, regardless of win or loss. And it's just, hey, you want to hear what the players and coaches have to say? All the audio clips are right there for you, so make sure you check that out. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure that you... Find our channel, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do, especially if you're an Apple Podcast user. Make sure you subscribe, that way every single episode gets thrown to your phone, you'll never miss anything, and that's the ultimate objective here, is we want to make sure you are always plugged in to our station, our channel, our radio. I know some people call it BTSC Radio, it kind of is like its own radio station when you think about all the audio content we're putting out there, but make sure you follow us there as well. Okay. Let's talk about this game. And there's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to hash out. And I have to be honest, I might not get to everything. You know, It's like I I said to Dave Schofield following the game, I said, man, the Let's Ride could be two hours long tomorrow. Now, some of you might say, yes, Jeff, deliver the goods. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do a two-hour show. Uh, With that said, though, I do want to make sure I I let my listeners know, if you tuned into the post-game podcast, you're thinking, where is Jeff? What I decided to do this season is if the Steelers don't play at 1 o'clock, I'm typically not going to be on the post-game show. And it's not because I don't want to. I still love doing the post-game show. I love being on the the air with Brian and Dave. The problem was is that between my duties on the editorial side and getting articles ready and edited and writing myself, as well as now getting my Let's Ride podcast ready for 9 a.m. in the morning, if I were to do everything – I would literally be up until almost 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning the following day, and I can't function like that at work. This is not my full-time job. So that's why if you tune into the post-game podcast, like, oh, where's Jeff? Next week, the Steelers game against the Denver Broncos is at 1 o'clock, so I will be back on the uh, post-game show, so you can check that out then. I apologize. I guess I probably should have said something on Thursday during the preview or here on this show, and I didn't. A lot of people were on Twitter saying, where the heck are you? Why aren't you on the post-game show? Uh, my apologies, but you're going to get to hear my take on this game right now. Let's get to it. The one thing that I kept on asking myself as I was getting my show notes ready was where to start. Like, Where do I start? Because there's so many places that you could start. And I think that for me, you have to start where it matters the most. And I've always said the most important position – in professional sports, and that's all of sports, not just the NFL. In all of sport, we're talking NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Soccer, I don't care. The most important position in all of those quarterback. The decision making that's necessary, the athleticism, the arm talent. It's unlike anything else in any sport. And so I was thinking about it that way, and I said, You got you have to start there. You have to start there. Why? Because the Steelers' offense now is being drugged down by one Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger, BTR. It hasn't always been this way, this season even. I want to make that very, very clear. It has not always been this way. For instance, in week two against Las Vegas, when the offensive line surrenders 10 quarterback hits, not necessarily Ben Roethlisberger's fault. And then in week two Three against the Cincinnati Bengals. They give up seven quarterback hits. You're still thinking, man, he just doesn't have a lot of time. Now, in week four against Green Bay, I felt that this was the offensive line's best performance yet. Was it good? No, it wasn't good. But was it better? Absolutely it was better. It was better from top to bottom. I mean, think about it this way. I, I thought, it, and let me, let me say this. I thought that the offense made serious strides today when you're talking about the offensive line. Najee Harris, he only carried the ball 15 times for 62 yards, and a lot of people were just kind of like, Bleh. 15 carries for 62 yards. Do the math. That's 4.1 yards per carry. That is, I cannot tell you the last time the Steelers had a running back not just like a Chase Claypool has two end arounds that go for big gains and his average is through the roof. I'm talking about a running back have over four yards to carry. Najee Harris in the offensive line had their best performance so far in 2021 Sunday at Lambeau Field. They were opening up holes. They Najee Harris was hitting the holes correctly. Good vision, good burst, was getting extra yards with just some really gutsy plays. It's everything that we expected, and it's still not good, like I said, but my goodness, that's a stride in the right direction. And unfortunately, the Steelers were kind of forced to abandon the run when things sort of got out of control. They ended up throwing the ball 40 times, only running it 15. That's not balanced. That's what I always talk about every Friday is being balanced. That's not. But at the same time, I felt that the offensive line made some serious strides in the running game when you're talking about yards per carry, and just the the visual. You watched the game. You saw Najee Harris having some holes. He wasn't getting hit in the backfield as much. I can probably count like only one or two times where Najee Harris was dropped for a loss. That's a win. That is a win. But then you're looking at, okay, so the offense made a step forward. Where did they make a step backwards? It's number seven. And I hate to say this. I hate to say this. Based on the fact that I'm a big Ben Roethlisberger fan, I've always liked Ben Roethlisberger. Who hasn't? I mean, you might not like him off the field. You might think that he's obnoxious, or you might not like that he rode his motorcycle without a helmet, or maybe the the stuff down in Georgia and Milledgeville and in you know, Nevada and all that. You can not like him off the field for whatever reason, but on the field, my gosh, this guy has been a legend for the Steelers. He won two Super Bowls, went to three, just some of the plays that he was able to pull off. Just remarkable, remarkable stuff. But the one thing that is becoming glaringly obvious now in his 18th year in the league, he's 39 years old, is that when he doesn't have that I don't. I, I kind of want to say Superman ability, and when I say the Superman ability, he doesn't have that, I'm going to shed four defenders, run around, keep my head down the field and make a play, that's a problem, and then even when he has a clean pocket and he can't deliver passes, I'm going to give you the perfect example. And this play, to be honest with you, might get lost in the wash of the the aftermath of the game. The the play where Roethlisberger on third down was sacked, fumbled, Green Bay recovers. And the game switched after that. Uh, the, The defense had to go right back on the field. They were tired. They gave up more points. We all know how it played out. But it was the second down play. So the third down play was the fumble from the sack. The second down play, Roethlisberger had a clean pocket, was able to step up, had Juju Smith-Schuster on a really nice post route or an in route, whatever you want to call it, um, from the slot. I mean, it was wide open. All he had to do was put the ball between the linebacker or safety and the the trailing cornerback. And he missed bad. He missed really bad. And that wasn't the only miss that Ben Roethlisberger had on Sunday. Roethlisberger missed on more than one occasion, and many people, myself included, were left wondering, what, what is going on? And we've seen Roethlisberger have issues before. We've seen Roethlisberger have games where he turns it over five times, i.e. the 2017 Week 5 game against Jacksonville. That was the game where he famously said, maybe I'm done. Maybe I I'm done and I'm washed. That was hyperbole at the time. And now people are wondering maybe he was just speaking four years early. Even in those games where he threw five interceptions, there were times where you're thinking, okay, Ben's just trying to make a play. He's trying to put the ball into a window that very few can fit the ball into. And he's getting burned. Or maybe their tip passes at the line of scrimmage. Doesn't matter. What you're seeing now, though, is a quarterback that can't hit open targets. That's a problem. Go back to the Cincinnati game. Anyone remember James Washington streaking down the sideline? Roethlisberger puts up a deep ball. And I know that if he would have held onto it a half second longer, he would have gotten sacked or at least hit when he threw. But that's a play that Roethlisberger has hit more often than he hasn't in his career, and he's missing those throws. You go to Juju Smith-Schuster, not just that in-cutting route on second down. You had those post routes and, and those seam routes down the field. Mike Tomlin said in his post-game press conference, we need to make those plays where we got behind the defense. Ben's not making those plays. He's not. And until he does, the Steelers fans are going to wonder, well, what is it going to take? What's it going to take for something to change? Because now it's becoming increasingly clear. The offensive line, although not good, is improving. They gave Ben more time. Yes, Roethlisberger was sacked twice in the game, and they did. The Green Bay Packers were able to get eight quarterback hits on Roethlisberger, and you might say that sounds like a lot. There were more clean pockets this game than any other this season, if you ask me, and that includes the Week One win in Buffalo. The Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line made strides. The running game made strides, and yet it seems like the quarterback is the anchor holding this ship down. And again, I'm not trying to make this sound like Ben Roethlisberger is the reason why this team isn't going and in, in, you know, looking like Super Bowl contenders. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that when it becomes glaringly obvious that the quarterback is the problem, at what point do you address the problem? And this is the pickle that the Pittsburgh Steelers find themselves in. This is the conundrum. This is the ordeal, whatever you want to call it. You have your franchise quarterback, a future Hall of Famer, who just set milestones like his 400th touchdown pass, and he passed Dan Marino on the all-time passing yards list, and all these incredible statistics that Ben Roethlisberger has been able to accrue throughout his career. When do you say, we're going to go with someone else? If they're banking on Ben getting hurt, there's a good chance that'll happen. And the guy's getting hit a lot. There's a good chance that Roethlisberger will get hit, and he's going to tweak something. We hope it's nothing major. And they're going to have to roll with Mason Rudolph and or Dwayne Haskins. The odds are for that happening more than they are against. Let's be honest. But what if it doesn't happen? Is Are the Pittsburgh Steelers, who seemingly have gone all in on this 2021 season, whether it's putting in the void years and contracts like Eric Ebron, bringing in Melvin Ingram, Trey Turner. All these pickups that they made, everyone thought they're all in on this year. One more year with Ben. Here we go. Well, right now after four games, this one more year with Ben is pretty flipping awful, to be honest. Pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And I, you don't need me to tell you that. If you have eyes and you've been watching the game, you know how bad it's been. Heck, even if you haven't been watching the game and you've just been listening, it's, it's still pretty bad. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are now... They're in no man's land, in my opinion. This is a situation where you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And I'll go to the New York Giants to kind of give you an idea as to what I'm talking about. So the New York Giants, obviously when Eli Manning was in his last year, they drafted Daniel Jones. And Eli Manning started, I think, the first three games, and then they said, we're going to make a change. We're going to get the rookie in there. And Eli Manning was a good soldier, and he said, "You know what? I'm gonna. That's fine. I'll be there for him." But boy, was that a bad move for the organization, for the fan base? It just it wasn't done correctly. You have to wonder if the Steelers are sitting there thinking, "We can't. We we can't bench Ben. We can't bench him, no matter how bad he plays." Because you can't do that. You just can't. I'm not saying I agree with it, but that's what I guarantee is being said behind closed doors. Look, you want to blame Matt Canada, blame Matt Canada. Some of the play calling has been questionable. But again, you have to ask yourself, is all the play calling on Canada? Or is some of it, is Canada being restricted on what he can and can't do based on the quarterback? I don't know. But if one thing is not obvious to you, the fan, the viewer, the listener to my podcast right now, that is the Steelers have some major work to do. And it all starts with number seven this isn't about playoffs this isn't about Super Bowl that would be great it starts with just winning a game it starts with just having your quarterback making the throws that an NFL caliber quarterback is supposed to make that's all it is making the throws they are supposed to make he can't do it right now he's not doing it right now let me rephrase that. I think he can but can he do it consistently enough? He has yet to show it, and that's a huge problem for this team moving forward. They're in no man's land. It's up to Mike Tomlin to navigate their way out of this. And I say that based on the fact that he's the one that's going to have to make the call. It's not going—I mean, It might come from Art Rooney, but it's going to be Tomlin that's going to be the one that says, we got to pull a plug on this thing or we're sticking with him. What's he going to do? I'm guessing the latter, whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to be back with some winners and losers. So stay tuned. Right after this break, I'm going to deliver a lot of losers and eh, even a couple winners. Stay tuned. Don't know.
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment Thanks for staying with me. I really do appreciate it. I know that a lot of you have been looking forward to hearing what I have to say, and it's a winners-losers part of this post-game. I don't want to say post-game like it's immediately after the game, but it's always after the game for me on Mondays around 9 o'clock Eastern time is when this podcast runs, and it's time for me to go over the winners and losers, and so let's talk about how many of, of each category. There's two winners and eight losers for me. In this Week Four game against the Green Bay Packers, twenty-seven to seventeen loss. Let's start with the winners. There's not many. Shouldn't take long. I'm going to start with Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson finished the day nine receptions on ninety-two yards for one touchdown. He did have thirteen targets, so he is clearly Ben Roethlisberger's number one target. And Deontay Johnson was the one that got everything ignited. The Steelers scored an opening drive offensive touchdown for the first time in over 11 NFL games, including the playoffs. His 45-yard touchdown pass was something spectacular. Great speed, great athleticism. I want to make sure I don't give nothing but praise to Deontay Johnson. He can be absolutely uh, uh, head-scratching, if it's a good way to put it. When you think about Deontay Johnson, nine catches, 92 yards, it's impressive, but there's still those moments where you're left like face palm with Deontay Johnson. He had that catch. It was, I, I believe it was third and four, catches the ball, goes north and south. Looks like he's going to be close to the uh, first down yard. Just drop your head, grind it out. If worst case scenario, you're looking at a fourth and one. And what does he do? He ends up dancing backwards behind the line of scrimmage or, or I'm sorry, the line to gain and, He ends up basically coming up with a no-gain play. It looked like Antoine randall L back in the early 2000s, running more east and west than he is north and south. But Deontay Johnson still, great player. It was good to see him back after missing last week with a knee injury. He came back in a big way, led the Steelers in receiving yards. The next, Najee Harris, and I slashed this one out, the running game. Najee Harris finished with 15 carries for 62 yards and a 4.1-yard average. He also had six receptions on seven targets for 29 total yards. And so Najee Harris definitely does his part, finishes with 101 total yards of offense, so good for him. Uh, In the running game, like I spoke about in the first segment, it was just a huge step forward for me. Yeah, 62 yards, 4.1-yard average. The Steelers didn't come close to that last season. It was good to see them north of the four-yard average for the first time in a long time. So kudos to Najee Harris in the running game. Like I said, they were taking a step forward in this contest. Uh, you can attribute that to a lot of things. Maybe it's the defensive line of the Packers. Maybe it's someone, as crazy as it sounds, maybe it's someone like Joe Haig, who's known for his run blocking more so than pass blocking. I'm not so sure, but still... Najee Harris in the run game, I felt deserved some credit, and so I put him in the winner's list. And that's it. That was it. Let's talk about the loser's list. Ben Roethlisberger tops the loser's list. Listen to the stat line 26 of 40. He averaged, or I'm sorry, he had 232 yards passing. He averaged 5.8 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked twice for 12 yards, as I mentioned in the first segment. Eight quarterback hits on Roethlisberger, finished with a rating of 78.3. I really don't want to beat a dead horse here. And I don't want to you – know, I spent the whole first segment basically talking about Roethlisberger. I think it's just safe to say we the, we all know he has to play better. And I, I've said this the last two weeks is I, I'm honestly – I'm just sick and tired of of hearing talking, you know, not not so much from the fans. The fans have every right to talk. I'm about the players. Yeah, you know, it's my fault. I need to be better. I need to do better. I'll do this. I'll do that. Just go out and do it. Like that's what has to happen. Just go out and do it. So Ben Roethlisberger is on the losers list for a reason. If you listen to the first half, you know why. All right. Next, we go to the fourth down offense. They finished zero for two. But to make it even more special, they're just more behind the line of gain passes. So for the second straight game, the Steelers had a fourth and whatever situation. I believe it was 4th and 4. This game last week, it was 4th and 10. And they were coming off of a break. Whether it was a timeout, 2-minute warning, doesn't matter. And for the second straight week, they threw another swing pass to Najee Harris out of the backfield. I, honest to goodness, do not get this at all. And then to make matters worse, on other 4th down or short yardage situations, The Steelers were pulling a Todd Haley and chucking it deep. This is the aspect of the team that no one knows who to blame. We all want to blame someone, but who do we blame? Do you blame Ben Roethlisberger? Do you blame Matt Canada? Do you blame Mike Tomlin? Who do you blame? I don't know who you blame based on the fact that last week, everyone just seemed to magically forget what happened on that 4th and 10 play. Roethlisberger was interviewed on Wednesday. Hey, Ben, what happened on the 4th and 10? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't remember much about that play. Sure, okay. Then they go to Dan Moore. Hey, Dan Moore, what do you think about that 4th and 10? I don't remember much about that play. And then you have Matt Canada, who was asked about it. He said, well, we did have four players in the end zone when it was 4th and uh, 10 uh, in the red zone last weekend, in Cincinnati. I don't care who's to blame. Fix it. This is a, this is idiotic what they're doing, and it literally looks like they're trying to sabotage themselves. <laughs> That's Plain way of putting it. All right, let's go to the third down offense. That's the next loser. They finished four for 11. So this is four straight weeks now. I've had this offense, this third down offense, on my losers list. Why? Based on the fact that all I want is 500. If you have 12 attempts, give me six and I won't put them on the losers list. Four for 11, not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it at all. And honestly, if I want to throw in an extra, If I want to put in an extra loser, and I'm not doing this, but I'll mention this in the podcast, when I look at the defensive numbers, Aaron Rodgers was over the 50% mark, 9 for 15. The Steelers struggled to get off the field on third down. So third down offense and defense turned out to be pretty lousy for the Steelers in Week 4 in Lambeau Field. Next, the rushing defense. The Steelers gave up 131 yards on the ground. And this is something that if I look back to my keys, they have to be able to shove the run. That was one of the things I said that the Steelers have to do. They have to put the ball and they have to put Aaron Rodgers in down and distances that favor the defense. You're not going to stop Aaron Rodgers. You saw how difficult it is. My goodness. I couldn't imagine being an NFC North team and having to play that guy twice a season. And he's just so difficult to defend. And when you talk about Devontae Adams and, Players like that and Aaron Jones out of the backfield, they are just dynamic. But still, you have your best shot is to make them one dimensional, stop the run, force third and longs. And when they did that, the Steelers succeeded. Problem was, they couldn't do that very often. They gave up 131 yards on the ground. Whether it was Dylan or Jones didn't matter. They got gashed for some big runs. Those are deflating. This is a trend we've seen from the Steelers' defense. I said to Dave Schofield after the game, I'll say it here as well. This team misses Tyson Alulu more than you'll ever know. And it's based on the fact that they don't have Stefan it. If Stefan it was, was in the lineup, Alulu being out wouldn't be that big of a deal. Chris Wormley could eat up blocks in the middle and they'd be fine. But when you lose Alulu and you don't have to it, now all of a sudden that defensive front is weaker. Plain and simple, it is weaker. Let's go to the next loser the balanced offense. I wanted the Steelers to stay balanced. I always want the Steelers to stay balanced. Going back three or four years ago when we were doing podcasts, we'd always say, what's the key to victory? And I would always say the same thing. They just have to stay balanced on offense. The reason why I want a... Look, balance in today's NFL is not 50-50 run to pass. It is maybe more... Uh, 60-40, that would be a good ratio. Heck, sometimes I'd even be good with 70-30 to or, or 65-35. They threw the ball 40 times and ran it 15 times. That's just not the ratio anyone wants. We all realize that's not going to be conducive to winning. And I understand that this game became a game of catch-up down the road. And did towards the second half, the, the Packers were leading by two scores. You have to throw your way back in it. I understand that. This team still, when it was a one-score game, they get into these pass-happy modes. They get into these areas where they throw, 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 and they're succeeding. And so they continue to throw. And then once they throw an incomplete pass, they run, and it's obvious, and it's so predictable, and it's typically a loss. Uh, Najee gets, or whoever's running the ball, gets stuffed in the backfield for a loss or no gain at all. That's why you have to stay balanced, even when you feel like you're seeing. Okay, we're just throwing the ball well. You can't ignore the run. I will, I will say this. Kudos to Ben Rothsberger in this regard. I thought he played horrible all game, but there's one thing I thought he did well, and that was his play fakes to Najee Harris were tremendous. There were several times where he had the ball in the shotgun. He had the ball out for Najee Harris, and he had it back out, and Najee was going through And honestly, from that camera angle, I thought Najee Harris had the ball, and next thing you know, Roethlisberger's delivering the ball down the field. So the RPO even looks – it's not a technical RPO. I don't think it's more of a, just a run fake. But still, if they can run the football like they did in the early goings of this game, it sucks the defense in, and it opens up things down the field. Problem was – quarterback couldn't hit those passes and that's where things went south let's go to the next loser the time of possession slash overall plays from the team so green bay had more than nine minutes more of possession time than the steelers and they ran more than 14 plays they ran 14 plays more than the steelers again i'll say that again they had the ball for more nine minutes longer than the steelers and they ran 14 more plays than Pittsburgh. I mean, think about that. Yes, I just said that the Steelers' defense needs to do a better job of stopping the run. Well, it's tough when you're on the field for nine more minutes and you're facing an, an offense like Aaron Rodgers and that that unit 14 more times. The Steelers' offense is sporadic. They can't stay on the field. Time-consuming drives are not really their thing. But my goodness, why, why was the defense so gassed? That's why they were so gassed. That's the plain and simple fact. They couldn't get off the field that's on the defense and the offense couldn't sustain drives and Aaron Rodgers and company were, and that was a big deciding factor. Next loser, whoever is responsible for guarding Randall Cobb. It's been, it was Terrell Edmonds. It was cam Sutton. It seriously felt like that's just throw something against the wall. Maybe something will stick. Randall Cobb finishes with this stat line, five catches, for 69 yards and two touchdowns. But those five catches, obviously two of them went for scores. And then at least another two were huge third down conversions. He was a dagger for the Steelers. They, they were hell bent on stopping Adams. And it's almost as if the Packers knew it was coming because they did. And so they had planned for Randall Cobb to be the one that gets the mismatch and that beats his man. And he did repeatedly. Uh, so Hey, kudos to the Packers for achieving and for accomplishing that and and taking care of that business. But at the same time, the Steelers defense has got to be better, has to be better. Last loser. I saved it for last for a reason. The offsides call on the blocked field goal at the end of the first half. You might have been sitting through this whole podcast saying, when's Jeff going to talk about the offsides call? How has he not talked about the offsides call yet? Well, here we go. This is one of those things, you know. I, I, when we talk about my predictions on Friday, I, I talked about this with Michael Beck when he joined me, and I did predict the Steelers to win. But I said that when they, if they're going to win this game, they're going to need a special play. And what I meant by special play was they were going to need. Think back to Week One when Miles Killebrew blocked the punt, Ulysses Gilbert the scoop score. That's a special play. They needed that type of play to win this game. And so here you are that the Packers are going to kick the field goal and they're going to go into halftime with the three points. They're going to get the ball to start the third quarter. Nope. Wait a second. Block punt. Minka Fitzpatrick blocks it, picks it up, scoops it, runs all the way down the field for the touchdown. No, they say it's offsides. Okay. We've seen this before. There's a good chance they were offsides. So we're watching the replay. Everyone's watching the replay. Doesn't look like they're offsides. It looks like the Green Bay Packers center, long snapper, moves the ball, which then triggers them to run because when the ball is moved is when the play begins. Nonetheless, flag is thrown. Gene Steratore, former NFL official, now turned CBS rules analyst, he even put out a tweet, and I wrote an article about this for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, stating, Gene Steratore is saying... They got this wrong. Gene Stertroy said if unless the Steelers were lined up in the neutral zone, which they weren't, this is a bad call. And I agree. It was a bad call. It was a bad call. And that's a 10-point swing. Because the Steelers would have scored a touchdown. You take that off the board and you tack a three-point lead or add three points to that from the Mason Crosby kick afterwards when he made it this, that was a huge deflating play. No one from the Steelers is going to talk about it. They don't want to get fined or anything like that. But ultimately this is one of those plays. And I'm not saying that if Minka Fitzpatrick's score would have counted, that the game would have ended differently. Some are already pointing as a 10 point loss, 10 point swing. You do the math. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is think about the elation that they had after the kick only to have it taken away and then you go into halftime with you go into halftime trailing you go into halftime trailing and you're wondering what do we have to do what do we have to do it's already tough enough to beat Aaron Rodgers and company in their own house and we got to go against the officials now and some on Twitter I know I had some Packers fans coming at me well uh the TJ Watt trip you know, oh, that's that's exactly the, the makeup call. B.S. Get out of here with that. Watch the play, folks. T.J. Watt's face is being pinned to the tackle's uh, left shoulder pad. He doesn't even see Rodgers, and his foot clips Rodgers' heel, and he goes down. Tell me how he tripped him. How did he trip him? If my three-year-old's walking through the yard and trips on a root, it's not the root's fault. My gosh, that she tripped on the root. Aaron Rodgers steps up in the pocket and he clips TJ Watt's leg is not a trip. Get out of here with that nonsense. This game was frustrating. This team is frustrating. And I know I'm not alone. But I'm not going to give up on this team. I never have. I never will. You can go back to 2013 when they started 0-4. I was probably one of the few fans It was like, you know what? I feel like this team could kind of get it together. I feel like this team could kind of win some games. And you know what? They did. They did that year. Started 0-4 and came out 8-8. You might say, well, Jeff, I mean 8-8. and They finished the year 8-4. and That's not too bad. So have expectations changed? Absolutely. But should we all be giving up on the team? No, we shouldn't. So stay tuned to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You're going to want to talk about this. You're going to want to vent about this. And there's no better community than at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. If you want to join the community, here's how you do it. Go to any article. And that's if you don't have an account. If you go to any article, scroll all the way to the bottom, and it'll give you an opportunity to sign up. So you sign up, you create an account, create a password. It's totally free. I think you have to wait 24 hours before you can start commenting on articles. But still, once you've got that, you're in. And you can find out, I mean, this is, it's such a knowledgeable community and they'll call you out for your BS. If you go in there and just want to stoke the fire, but still, if you want to have some educated conversations about the Steelers and about the NFL game, that's your place to be. So check it out at behind the steel and obviously our podcast platform. I hope that you not just don't, don't just want to hear my thoughts on the game, but all the other takes from other hosts that we have on our podcast platform. So make sure wherever you get your podcasts search Steelers behind the steel curtain, uh, subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so that you do not miss a thing. All right, folks, I'll be back on Wednesday. The mailbag, I'm sure, is just going to be robust. We'll put it that way. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I love answering y'all's questions. Uh, so make sure you check me out on Wednesday. Hey, try to stay positive, folks. I know it's difficult in these tough times, but stay positive. And remember, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day, everyone. I'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.
0: at luckylandslots.com available to players in the US excluding Washington and Michigan no purchase necessary vgw group void or prohibited by law 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash